Hey everyone, welcome back to Vox Voice. Today we get an inside look at someone who's kind of a local celebrity. Kenton Gawicki is the chief meteorologist at KOMU 8. He's been in the position since 2015 when he was 22. Before that, he studied meteorology at the University of Missouri and has had a passion for weather since he was a little kid. Kenton's interest in climatology, something that you'll learn is different from meteorology, makes him a unique voice in weather reporting and valuable to the community. He's made coverage of climate change an important fixture of his show, something that is a growing but still rare trend among local meteorologists. But today, we don't just get to hear about the Kenton we see on the air, we also get a look at his life behind the camera. I'm your host, Grace Cooper, and today, Vox's Joel Bonitz sits down with Kenton Gawicki to talk about his professional experiences. Welcome to Vox Voice. All right, can you talk a little bit about how you got to become the chief meteorologist at KOMU8? Yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm from central Nebraska originally, came to Mizzou for the meteorology program, um, my sophomore year, I started interning at KOMU8 in weather, um, just doing morning cut-ins, and then really quickly kind of fell into it. And uh, I eventually started doing a lot of noon shows that fall. And then in the spring of 2014, I uh, was hired part-time. And then in the summer of 2014, I was hired full-time um, as a then-becoming junior. Um, and then... Uh, in 2015, I was given the chief spot, um, less than two years from interning. So it was uh, really crazy to go that quickly. Obviously, never you can't imagine that scenario. It doesn't happen um, to be given the keys to the weather department that quickly. Um, so it was a lot of uh, pressure, certainly, um, but really, really cool experience. And then I've yeah, I've been the chief there since. So did you grow up with you know a love? Of the weather, I know Nebraska has some, you know, pretty gnarly uh, weather situations. I mean, being in the La Tornado Valley, so yeah, um, I grew up from a young age really loving weather. So when I was a kid, um, kind of my origin story of falling in love with weather is my family was out on a lake in Nebraska, and we were, you know, skiing and. Um, tubing behind the boat and all of a sudden it went from blue sky to storms and all of a sudden we had all this water coming over the boat because we had these big waves and white caps and I was like hiding under the inner tube in the boat with my cousins while all this water kept rushing in and I was so scared I was like we're gonna I'm gonna die like I don't know what's going like and luckily my I got us back to shore safely um, and then when I hit the dock and I was like on land I remember just being really excited like how did we go from sunny sky, great day, to I think I'm going to die, and how can I, you know, forecast that in the future? And um, I just was fell in love with the why behind it all. So that got you started with meteorology, and how did that get you in front of the camera? Yeah, um, so I started to realize in middle school and high school that I am not great at sports. Now, I'm very tall. But um, usually tall people can, you know, they have some athletic ability. That was not my case. Um, I was kind of the black sheep in my family for that reason. Um, but I fell in love with um, plays and um, acting and speech and public speaking and that kind of stuff. And I was good at it. And I just found a big passion in it. And other people said that they liked what I was doing. And so then I realized in high school that I could literally just go to college and 
do both. Um, I'm a first generation college graduate, so um, it was interesting. But sophomore year, I did have a realization like, oh, I can go to college and actually get a meteorology degree and go to, into broadcasting, and I can be that person on TV that's telling people what's going to happen and how to stay safe from it. You chose Mizzou for the meteorology program. Mm -hmm. Was there like any other factors that were behind coming to Mizzou? So I actually really wanted to get out of Nebraska. So Nebraska actually does have a, um, a meteorology program, but I wanted to venture out because I felt like I was in a bubble at home. And I was like, if I, I just felt kind of constricted. I'm like, if I don't break this bubble and get out, then I didn't know where my life would really go. And I wanted to make sure I was doing, you know, just doing more things with my life. And so I um, came to Mizzou where I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody here. And um, it was because of the meteorology program, but also when I visited campus, I just fell in love with it. It just felt right. It was one of those decisions that was honestly really easy, um, even though it was a huge decision, you know, moving to Missouri where you don't know a soul and like starting your life. We're talking about the weather a lot, but I know one of the main um, segments that you talk about is climate change. Mm. What got you to start talking about that? So a few years ago, I really started to see it happening. So in I'm forecasting every day, right? So for years, I was forecasting every day from in Missouri. I'm, I love data. So I'm always looking back and um, I usually don't try to give my opinions on the weather, kind of like journalists don't give their opinion of the news. I like to look at the data and we relate it to the data. Is this an above average day, a below average day? Uh, those types of things. And that means that you have to know what the climate is because um, weather and climate are different or weather is what's happening today. But the only reason I know if it's above average or below average or um, something out of the ordinary is because of the climate, which is we look at the average of all the weather in the past. Um, and so I started doing all of that, of course. And you, when you look at the data for so many years, I started to see anomalies. The first thing I saw was that our nights over summer, especially, were anomalously warmer than our daytimes were above average. And so I'm like, okay, we have these very, very warm nights, like really constant. What's going on? And so I just kept doing more research and, um, you know, really taught myself climate change basically i dug into all the data i met other i met climatologists at conferences um who i've stayed in contact with and just met other scientists and um just dug right in into into the data and i have for years now and um i realized that this is something that people don't hear about people don't we, they don't hear about climate change but in, and if they do it's usually in a political sense and i wanted to make sure people knew that climate change is not political and that it is just a reality that we live in. And um, I decided to start talking about it. And I wanted to make sure I started from the ground up. So the first thing I talked about was what's the difference between weather and climate, you know, the very basics, because things can get so heated and people can form their opinions that are politically biased and then they don't ever stray from those. And I wanted to just be a scientist that people know. And I am someone, you know, I'm really the only scientist that a lot of people, you know, have in their home, you know, sometimes ever, but I'm, uh, I take that seriously too, of being a credible source of information. And um, I just wanted to, to be that person. So yeah, I've been talking about it for years now and just talking about the truth behind it all and um, trying to not be too, not be political about it because again, it's not. So I'm a scientist talking about the science of what's happening. Um, and yeah, it's, it's gone really well. I've had really good feedback. 
when you first started talking about that, was there some sort of pushback? Like, were people like, oh, this isn't real? You know, this guy's lying? Or I was nervous there would be. Um, I had a lot of anxiety. So I started doing, the first time I talked about it, I did a whole week of, of stories. I think I did seven stories in like five or six days. Um, just talking about the basics and like the, the base of it all of, for so many different aspects of it. And um, I was just really nervous that people would start, you know, sending me hate mail and like that kind of stuff because of the, of the politics of it all. And I didn't get that. Um, when I would post some of the stories on social media, of course there were some, you know, trolls on there that said some things, but the overwhelming majority of any feedback I've ever gotten, honestly, since then, um, has always been positive. It's been, thank you for talking about this. Thank you for giving us this information because no one else is talking about it, especially locally. Um, so for years, I've been one of the only local people uh, who does talk about it. And, and not just here, but even in the state of Missouri, when you look at even other markets, I still don't see it that often. So uh, yeah, it's it's I'm, I'm really happy to be that person, but I would also love it if I wasn't. All right, so we've been talking, you know, a lot about you in front of the camera, talking about, you know, weather and climate, two different things. Mm -hmm. But let's start, to, let's get to know you a little bit more. So what do you usually do in your free time? I really like hiking. So we have a lot of really great hikes around in Missouri. So um, I love to be out on the trails. Um, I also really like, Tennis, so I'll play tennis sometimes. A lot of times I'm also watching a tennis tournament too, and those are always at different times depending on where they're at in the world. Um, and then I also love TV and movies. Um, that like film uh, in general is uh, really big for me. So yeah, those are kind of my main hobbies, I would say. Let's start talking about hiking then. Which trail is your favorite place to hike? A lot of people ask me that too when I'll, cause I'll post about my hikes sometimes on social media. Um, there's still more that I need to explore, but I would say one of my favorite ones, my go-to is probably shooting star trail, um, which is just South of Columbia in Rockbridge, And it's just really cool. There are a lot of, um, like other, like kind of offset, like numbered trails that you can go on. That's not just the main one. And I kind of have that whole area mapped in my head now. And I kind of know, okay, I have this much time. I can go on this one and then turn on that one and go there. Um, and it's really cool. So I, I really like shooting star. Yeah. You usually spend a lot of time in like that Rockbridge area. Yeah, I would say so. When I first started, uh, or when I first moved to Columbia, the first one I really found though was up in on the north side of town in Cosmo Park. If you go all the way to the back of Cosmo Park, there's um, some really cool trails. Um, but I haven't been up there in a little while. But that's a really cool. And there are also some really cool trails south of Columbia, uh, even further going to like there's this place called Three Creeks. Um, there's another really cool trail over by the airport. Um, so. Yeah, there's a, there's so many. Next up, let's talk about tennis. Um, who's your favorite tennis player? <laughs> well, my favorite tennis player is Roger Federer, who um, has been taking a break, but he is uh, hopefully coming back at the end of this year, which would be really cool just to see. Um, but, I mean, otherwise I like, um, I still like Rafa, um, even though they've been really good rivals, but they're also really good friends. And um, So, yeah, I'd say Roger and Rafa are, are my two tops, which is very... <laughs> They've been the best for the best for a long time, so that's not very interesting. But um, yeah, those are my best. And then um, I also really like on the women's side Serena, and uh, um, I like Victoria as as a Renka a lot as well. And then um, Naomi Osaka. Yeah, 
I'm a big Rafa guy, so. Nice, okay. <laughs> yeah, we ended up watching that uh, 21st major that I won. So yeah. That was a very fun time. Yeah, that whole <laughs> tournament was really cool. Yeah, I stayed up all night for that, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what got you into watching tennis? Well, thanks for asking me about tennis, first of all, because I'm sure most of our listeners really don't care, but I am very happy to talk about it. Uh, it was actually my sister. So I have three older sisters, um, and one of them watched tennis, and it was also an anomaly in my family because no one watches tennis in Nebraska, really. Um, but she was starting to watch it, and her favorite player was, was Roger. And so I started watching it with her. Um, and then eventually I played it a little bit in high school as well, which was really cool. But my coaches were like, man, if you would have started when you were younger, you would have been so good. And I'm like, oh, I know. Why didn't I do this earlier? Uh, but yeah, I started watching with my sister and just have kept going since and gotten really, really into it. Gotcha. Um, let's go to the last thing you talked about, film and TV. You said you're very passionate about that. Mm. Um, what's your favorite you know, movie? And if not, what's your favorite TV show? <laughs> okay, those are the big questions. My favorite movie um, <clears throat> is Mad Max Fury Road, um, which people don't realize. I was even talking to one of my friends uh, about it the other day, and he was like, oh, really? Like, what? And I was like, you don't even, like, this movie made Oscars. Like, it was beloved by critics. It is so good. The best paced movie I've ever seen in my life. Amazing story. They didn't use any like CG really in this entire thing. Like when you are watching this, if you've seen it, if you haven't, you got to. Um, but they filmed it all in the desert in Africa for nine months. And they're really out in the sand dunes with these big vehicles that they created. And they are they have all these stunt actors who are on top of the vehicles and they got fire going everywhere. And they're like jumping all over the place and spinning the vehicles. And that's all real. None of that is fake. And it's crazy how that movie got made which I've always been interested in. And actually just a month or so ago, the New York Times, uh, one of the writers from the New York Times did all these interviews over the past couple of years and released a, a book, which was an 11 hour audiobook that I listened to, but 11 hours of audiobook, literally talking about the conception of this film to how it got on the ground, to all the setbacks, cause it took like a decade to get it made, um, to then actually filming it, like all these stuff. And it's just such an interesting story of filmmaking but also of just the movie itself and just how it actually got done. So that is my favorite film. Um, I've heard lots of things about Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, I follow a couple of like movie buff mm. um, like channels on Instagram, and they're like, yeah, this is like a very heavily underrated movie. Yeah. And I've been like, seeing a lot about it, and I'm like, I kind of want to watch it now. So You should. It's, it's also on a lot of lists for one of the top movies in the 2010 decade. So, mm -hmm. I mean... People don't realize it's not just this action, you know, it's not like a it's not like a fast and furious. It's a real just feat of filmmaking and, and storytelling. Let's talk about family life. I mean, you mentioned you have uh three sister three older sisters. Um what's that like? Do you get to do you get the chance to see them, you know, pretty often or Yeah, I really don't get to see my family very much at all. Um most of them still live in Nebraska, and two of the sisters actually live in Kansas City. So you'd think I'd see them a little more, but we're all so busy. Uh, it really doesn't happen that much, unfortunately. Um, I'm actually going to see a lot of them this weekend going to Kansas City, um, but uh, it'll be the first time since um, the holidays. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like you guys have a lot of, you know, balancing between, you know, the professional life and personal life. And what's that like for you? I mean... You know, being somebody who's on air quite a bit, 
I'm sure that's a little difficult trying to balance, you know, having free time and, you know, getting stuff done for the broadcasts. Yeah, it's it's very um, different, especially not just because of the fact that I'm a public figure, but also the fact that my hours are opposite of everyone else's. So I go into work, you know, 2, 3 p.m., and then I'm there until 11 p.m. or midnight. Um, that's the opposite of when most people are doing things. So um, it's uh, it doesn't make for much of a social life, right? Because I'm that, that's five nights a week. Um, and a lo- people don't realize until it's taken away that a lot of things happen on weeknights. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, definitely different. It's a different lifestyle. Gotcha. It's I'm sure it's definitely a different eight hour experience. Instead of working the nine to five, you got the two to eleven. So <laughs> yeah, for me, so for me, really, the time change doesn't matter because I'm like, whenever I go to work, it's 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 gonna be daylight and it's gonna be dark when I'm going home, and it's usually gonna be light when I wake up too because I'm not gonna wake up before the sun. <laughs> so we talked about this a little bit before. You talked about how you are kind of like one of the only you know meteorologists that are on people's tv in mid-missouri does that kind of qualify you as a sort of celebrity or what do you how do you see yourself as you know somebody and who is on tv almost every night in front yeah, of yeah um i don't like defining myself as any of that because that feels very um like prideful um which i am i'm not so i'm i'm just kenton but i would say that other people and my friends and things would call me a local celebrity um and i just think of it as like like i said a bit ago a public figure so um i am a public figure in in mid missouri especially i've been doing this for so long you know you can't really go out without someone um recognizing you and for me too it's always interesting because I don't know if someone's staring at me because they know who I am or because I'm a giant. I don't know. I don't know which one it is. Um, sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's, wow, you're much taller than, you know, I thought you were. Um, yeah. Have you, have you been like recognized a lot in public or? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. From the very beginning, which is interesting because there's not a, there's not a guidebook to losing your anonymity. So, cause I started in college. So all of a sudden, even as a college student, I'm, you know, going around town and going to the store and things like that, and people start to recognize me, and I'm like, oh, this is different. Now I'm, like, part of the community, right? It was like it was a, a transition from a college student into the community while I was still in college, and then, you know, afterwards, and um, just a really wild landscape to navigate on your own. Has how you've been recognized, or, like, the amount of times you've been recognized, has that changed over time? Because I'm sure, like, when you started. Yeah, um... I would say it does change where, you know, every year I'm recognized a bit more. Um, it goes up a little bit. I'm also getting more requests for things like this, right? Now that I've been in the business for almost a decade, they're like, wow, okay, well now you've done it now. So like, let's talk about it. Um, so doing more of these things or going to getting invited to other events as a speaker uh, is also increasing too. Um, now let's go back to, you know, when you first started, I mean, unless a year from being, uh, hired on full-time to be a meteorologist, you became the chief meteorologist. And you said it's very, very rare that somebody at such a young age gets the keys to become the chief meteorologist. But on top of that, I mean, you've had Emmy nominations for being a chief meteorologist. I mean, you got the nomination when you were 22. Um, What has that 
been like for you, you know, getting all that stuff at such a young age? Has that kind of shaped you in any way? I don't think it's changed what I want to do. I think it just gave me the experiences a lot earlier than it gives most people. Um, I will say that also at the beginning, I had a lot of imposter syndrome and kind of still do to some extent, not, not as much anymore because I'm like, okay, it's been nine, almost 10 years. Like you, you, you've been here. Um, but definitely a lot of imposter syndrome at the beginning because it is so rare. I went to a broadcast meteorology conference in Kansas city, uh, one year kind of early on, I think I was maybe, um, 25 at the time. And again, I became chief at 22 and we were out to eat and some of the other meteorologists from around the country were, you know, talking about their shifts and what they do. And I had the whole conference hadn't told anyone that I was chief because um, I was very um, insecure about it. Because I was like, you know, I don't want them to look at me and be like, oh, they just, you know, gave it to you or you were lucky or whatever. So I um, then we were talking about it and I told them my schedule. I was like, yeah, I work, you know, weeknights on the, in the evenings. I'm like, oh, are you? And, eventually came out they were like oh are you the so you're the chief and i was like yeah i'm i'm a chief and they're like wow and then they asked me when and i was like when i was 22 and a guy who's been in the business for a very long time and knows a lot of the meteorologists around the nation was like that's the earliest i've ever heard of anyone becoming chief and i kind of started saying i know i was just really lucky i was you know people left and i was there and they did a nationwide search but they still wanted me but also i'm sure it was really cheap at the time because i was still a college student and this and they were like ho ho like hold on you also, maybe that's true, but you also earned it. Like they would not have given it to you if you did not deserve it. And they saw that work ethic in you and they saw how dedicated you were and how good you were. And that was really the kind of validation that I needed and like a weight off my chest because to hear it from them meant something. And so then I wasn't as, I didn't have as much anxiety around it anymore um, because they kind of gave me the permission to kind of step into it. Since you've, you know, you got all that experience at such a young age. I mean, where do you go from here? Like, what are your main goals? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I don't know. I really, I don't have a good answer for you because um, from such a young age, I've already kind of reached the top of what I can do here at least, um, you know, being the chief. And um, I also get to teach students. I get a, I'm a, I'm a teacher at the same time, um, helping to bring up the next generation of meteorologists and it's kind of all a, a dream that, you know, a lot of people aspire to, and I've already just been doing it. So I don't know what, you know, next steps are if I'm just, you know, in this role for a really long time, or if there's something bigger after that. Um, I, I am not sure. I don't know, because I'm also because of what I'm already doing. I don't, I'm not necessarily someone who just needs to move to a bigger market to like move to a bigger market. Like if I'm happy with what I'm doing, it doesn't really matter, you know, where it's at like i'm already the chief at a, at a you know tv station you know and i'm am and i'm a teacher at the same time it's it's really cool um so i don't have an answer for you i, I think definitely always talking more about climate um unfortunately when i do do climate coverage it's usually on my own time because i have my own job to do just with meteorology and and you know giving doing all those responsibilities and so I do have to do, work on that a lot on the outside, and I don't get a lot of help with my climate coverage. So it's usually me on the weekends working on that or doing those things, which I'm already limited on, on the time that I have available. So I would, I've been trying to and kind of failing at trying to figure out how to really expand that coverage, but I would love to figure out 
how to do that because that is where a lot of my passion is. Is there potential that you want to win an Emmy? <laughs> I would love to win an Emmy. Um, uh, because I love TV, like I told you, just winning an Emmy and having an Emmy statue would be would be super cool. So I've been nominated three times. We'll see if if we can keep that going and maybe get a win in. Well, I don't know. All right, um, that's all we have on here. Uh, is there anything else that you want to add? Um, not that I can think of. No. Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Thanks, guys.